0: Friday night, we're going to be lighting two sets of candles, the regular Shabbos candles, and of course the menorah. We start with the menorah. And it might just seem like more candles, but they really represent two different paradigms and two different fundamental concepts in Yahadut in Judaism. Why do we light Shabbos candles? So our sages teach, they instituted this mitzvah in order to create two things. Oneik Shabbos, rejoicing in the home, and Shalom bayis, peace in the home, because a dark home, a dreary home, is not a home that can be festive and joyous. Chanukah candles, on the other hand, we're not even permitted to enjoy the light. One of the songs that a lot of people are accustomed to sing after the light, the menorah, is Hanera Salalu. And what do we say in this beautiful prayer? We say, ain lanu reshut lihishtamesh bahem. We are not even permitted to use them, Ella just to see them, just to look at them. So the Shabbos candles and the Hanukkah candles are fundamentally different, because Shabbos candles are really there
1: to illuminate your home, which
0: is why you need to hang out with your Shabbos candles a little. They should provide some illumination, and therefore you shouldn't light them in some remote part of your home, but where you can actually benefit from the light. The menorah is just the opposite. The Menorah, where do we put the Menorah? We put it on the windowsill. We put it in a place where we're not going to really gain any light because the light is supposed to be for the outside. And Shabbos is therefore and its candles are there really to fill our homes with the spirit of Judaism. Chanukah is really to take some of that light and share it with the world on the outside. We may not all be feeling so in such a good mood to share our light right now. But it is our task. It is the mission that we were set to do. And I wanted to share this idea because my brother Michael and I were blessed to be raised in a home with both of these lights and not just actually but metaphorically as well. Our mother created a beautiful Shabbos and a beautiful spiritual aura of Torah and mitzvahs in our home. And it's something, frankly, I'm still working off of to this day. But there was also a very strong sense of projecting some of that light to those on the outside. And I want to share just a very brief story that I used to share years ago, but it's been many years, and I want to keep the story alive, because it really speaks to who she was. I grew up, we grew up in Forest Hills, Queens. And uh, there was an elderly German Jew, we had a lot of Yekis in our community, and he was a bachelor, he lived in the projects in Forest Hills, always meticulously dressed. Every time you saw this man, he was wearing a three-piece suit, even if you visited him at his home. He had a lot of dignity, a lot of pride, but was, was alone. And when he was about 80, he suffered a heart attack. And he didn't have the money to hire someone to assist him. And he had a lot of pride. And there were members of the Queen's Jewish Center, our shul, that really tried helping. But nobody could get through. So Rabbi Grimblat, our Rav, of blessed memory, called my mother, of blessed memory, and asked if she could help. And the next day she showed up at his door with a newspaper and some flowers. And she spoke in his native German. And he let her in, and they began to speak. And after a few minutes, she said, would it be okay if I opened the shades? It was very dark, and she let some light in. And she left, and then she came back the next week, and she began to cook for him. I remember she made all of these favorite dishes without salt, and then eventually, she made an arrangement with a local takeout place to get him the right kind of food without salt. And she continued to visit him regularly and finally got him to our home, which was like a big deal. And I remember that Shabbos that he came. He started opening up. And it was like he was alive again. She brought him back to life. And she had that she had that power. To just be very specific and very caring in her very quiet but dignified way. And I know if she was around now, she'd be yelling at me to get off the phone and obsessed with social media and just just strolling through all of this stuff. And she'd focus us more on volunteering, spend that energy doing something positive collect materials for the dislocated families. That's what I thought about when we went on our trip to Israel, or the IDF, or just raising money. Like she did, we had tens of thousands of Soviet Jews that moved into our community in the 70s and 80s. And that's what she did. She collected furniture, she took families in. And she encouraged us to take our Judaism seriously. When she'd see me praying, or learning, or she'd see my brother running out on the Hatzalah call, She'd always say, if only your grandfather could see you now. Referring to my grandfather, who escaped Nazi Germany and who lived his life as a very proud religious Jew. She wanted us to make a difference. And I'm just gonna share one last story and then introduce our guest speaker. Um, so, you know, people are talking about things happening to Jews and stuff happened in Queens. Some of it had nothing to do with the fact that we were Jewish, but some of it did. And my brother and I were mugged a couple of times. I just complained about it. My brother decided to do something, and he trained and eventually joined the Auxiliary Police Force, the 112th Precinct. And he walked the beat once or twice a week for literally the next 10 years. And I remember my mother sitting up every Thursday night. I used to keep her company. She would not go to sleep until he came home. She was worrying about him, but somehow knowing that she had kind of modeled this behavior. And she was once driving in her car in Forest Hills, and she got pulled over by a cop for running a stop sign. And The police officer took out the pad, started writing the ticket, and she noticed the 112th on the lapel and so she looked up and she said, do you know Michael Wilds? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I know Michael Wilds. Why? He says, well, he's my son. He volunteers for the 112th, doesn't he? <laughs> and the cop said, your son is Michael Wilds? And he looked down at, she, he, had the, he had her license. So she answered in the positive and the officer said, Ma'am, this is a true story, can I ask you to please step outside of the car? (laughs) And my mother got out of the car and then he asked, with your permission, I'd like to give a hug to the woman who brought such a fine young man into the world. And this large Latino policeman (laughs) who is my mother. You could not have made her prouder and she didn't get a ticket. And I think if she was around today, I don't know if she would tell us all to put on a uniform and walk a beat, but she would definitely tell us to keep our yarmulkes on, and to keep wearing our mug and davids, and to increase our Torah and our mitzvos, to be that which our enemies are calling us out for being. And this is why we dedicated MGE in her memory, to perpetuate the extraordinary pride that she had in her Yiddishkeit, and to emulate the chesed, the acts of kindness that she regularly practiced for so many people in our community. And I'm proud to say that MGE has followed her model, opening up our doors these last 25 years to tens of thousands of our less connected Jewish brothers and sisters, sharing the beauty of Shabbos, like our mother did in her ever-expanding Shabbat table, creating a venue 386 couples who have met and married, our mother would have been very proud of that accomplishment